like most people, I think I latched on to the idea that meditation was the way. And I learned all about it. I dove right in and I got quote unquote good at it. If, and by that, I mean, like, even if I hadn't practiced for a month or two, if I sat down and meditated, I could pretty quickly kind of drop in and, and empty my mind or find the space between thoughts and, and really kind of zone in. But I, I realized that I would feel amazing during the, the duration of my meditation. And for a few minutes afterwards, like when I came out of it, I felt lighter than air and I would notice all these small things around me and be like, oh my God, I'm, on, I'm in heaven. But then I'd get, go right back into my everyday routine, right? It's like that meditation never happened. So that's where kind of the frustration was coming in. I was like, okay, like I've been trusting that if I keep this process in my life, I'm going to see all these amazing benefits. And I did see some for sure. But the frustration was, okay, I want more out of it. Welcome to Unlock Your Wellbeing, the podcast that teaches you the simple keys to health and happiness so that you can grow as a human being into a well-being. And now here's your host, author, certified wellness coach, mother, and wife, Alicia Leadham. Hey, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have a really fun, exciting guest who is going to be sharing with us how to be mindful without meditation. I'm super interested and excited to learn more about him and his story and all of the new techniques that he can teach us for improving our well-being. So I'm going to introduce him and then we'll be able to dive right into all the things that he has to share with us today. His name is Matt. Matt Horseman is a certified life coach and author of Don't Think of It as Mindfulness, where he dispels the intimidation around mindfulness and distills it down to something insanely practical. No meditation required. Matt excels at helping his clients get out of their own way with a sometimes tough and humorous approach, which I can tell that that is definitely your style from your uh, Instagram videos. Matt, <laughs> which <laughs> awesome. I love. So, I'm glad that comes across. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Um, so yeah, please tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your new book that you just released. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and thank you, Alicia, for having me on. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Um, yeah, so the book, it was really born out of frustration, um, which I think a lot of ideas are, right? There, you feel this need for something needs to change. Something's not working. And for me, mindfulness and meditation have been in my life for, let's say, a decade now. And I think like most people, when I first latched onto the idea, it was something, okay, this sounds like something that should be in my life. Like the benefits sound amazing, right? And I need a little bit more kind of peace. So, so this seems like a way to get it. And again, like most people, I think I latched onto the idea that meditation was the way. And... I learned all about it. I dove right in and I got quote unquote good at it. If, and by that, I mean, like, even if I hadn't practiced for a month or two, if I sat down and meditated, I could pretty quickly kind of drop in and, and empty my mind or find the space between thoughts and, and really kind of zone in. But I, I realized that I would feel amazing during the, the duration of my meditation. And for a few minutes afterwards, like when I came out of it, I felt lighter than air and I would notice all these small things around me and be like, oh my God, I'm, on, I'm in heaven. But then I'd get, go right back 
into my everyday routine, right? It's like that meditation never happened. So that's where kind of the frustration was coming in. I was like, okay, like I've been trusting that if I keep this process in my life, I'm going to see all these amazing benefits. And I did see some for sure, but the frustration was, okay, I want more out of it. And that was kind of where the, the idea was born. It was understanding and really diving into mindfulness in a way that realized that you don't necessarily need meditation. And if you really want to explore yourself in a deeper way, you need to use mindfulness kind of as a launching point to kind of really get inside your own mind and recognize the thoughts that are floating around there, how they're serving you, how they're not. So that's a big part of the book is once we distill mindfulness and recognize that you can do it anywhere, anytime, and everyone has access to it, then it's okay. How do we use it from there? Mm. I love that that's part of your story because I hear that with my clients all the time, right? Like I can't sit still to meditate or I'm not getting kind of the results from it. You know, like, just like you said, like I feel good with it, but how do I kind of continue feeling that way throughout the rest of my day? So I wanna learn um, what like your main method is then. What did you do differently to help you be more mindful and not meditate? Right. So the the main concept in the book is and why I call it don't think of it as mindfulness so I feel like great the word great title the word, by the way <laughs> thank you I feel like the word is so loaded like it comes with so many preconceived notions because it's such a mainstream topic right um, you can't walk by a magazine stand without seeing a whole issue of something dedicated to mindfulness which is great I love the resources out there but it can kind of intimidate people right because it's such a big big thing so I call it checking in. And, and I certainly didn't invent that phrase, but it's one I gravitated towards. So instead of thinking of it as mindfulness, I just think about, about it as checking in. And I know in your book, when you dive into mindfulness in your chapter, you the word autopilot shows up almost right away. I think it's in one of the first quotes. And that's something I zoom in on a lot. And, and that's the idea is that we're on autopilot so often. And first of all, autopilot has a function like it's our default state for a reason if we were on all the time if we were trying to become the next buddha it'd be goddamn exhausting right i i tried <laughs> it was not a worthy pursuit um so i just think of it as okay how can we keep autopilot in check and checking in is the way to do that so i talk about finding a check-in method and i'll show you mine for listeners you can't see it but i have a wooden bow tie mm. it's on the cover of the book and very quick story. My wife and I, with our two-year-old son, we were on a little mini vacation it's during a lull in the COVID numbers, and our province uh, was encouraging local travel. So we went out, and we found this little kind of Alice in Wonderland type gift shop on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. We we're like, hey, we got to check this out. So the sign literally said, open if we're home, <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> so we went in, and again, long story short, this guy had these wooden bow ties next to the cash, re cash register. I thought, that's so neat. I've never seen a wooden bow tie before. So I bought it. For whatever reason, I bought it. And two or three weeks after the vacation, I realized I was keeping it in my pocket for some reason. Not intentionally, but it just kind of kept ending up in my pocket. I was carrying it around with me. And when I was doing this work on checking in and finding methods, I was like, man, this could be a great, like a physical, like totem or whatever you want to call it. Just something tangible that I carry around with me that whenever I like, I keep it in my back pockets, whenever I sit down, it kind of annoyingly reminds me it's there. Right. But that's an opportunity to go, oh yeah, 
oh shit, was I just on autopilot? It's, a, mm. it's an opportunity for me to check in. And it's amazing how much time and energy I've been able to recapture because I've caught myself on some train of thought or in some routine that wasn't serving me. So checking in through a simple method like that has allowed me to capture a lot. I love that. I love that so much. Sometimes having something tangible can, like you just said, bring you right back to the moment. And then when you set the intention of, hey, this wooden bow tie is my anchor to bring me back, um, that every time you look at it, it reminds you of that. That's so cool. And that you have that as a cover of your book as well. So you wrote the book during the pandemic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Amazing. Hasn't everything so, happened during the pandemic? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, At this point, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want your your take on what you define as autopilot. Yeah, that's a great question. So to me, I make the distinction in the book of active choices and passive choices, because I feel like when we're on autopilot, like say, say your morning routine, for example, if there's a routine you could do with your eyes closed, right? You roll out of bed and there's certain little things you do each and every morning without thinking about it, but you're still making choices there, but I call them passive choices, right? It's more like they're happening to you because and an active choice is taking a second, even if it's part of your routine, to stop and go, okay, do I want to do this? Yes or no? And, and I talk about, again, like I've already mentioned, autopilot can be very useful and we shouldn't try to eradicate it from our lives. But here's a, a huge difference. So say tomorrow morning, instead of waking up, rolling out of bed and letting the routine just kind of happen to you. And the first time you check in in your day is like two hours into work, <laughs> if, if at all wake up and, and check in with yourself right away. And even ask the simple question, like, do I want to do my regular morning routine this morning? Because the answer could very well be yes. Maybe the routine's already serving you. And that's amazing. Maybe there's some tweaks you can make. But giving yourself that opportunity for choice to go, yeah, okay, I do want to do the routine. That's fine. And then going right into autopilot, you're miles ahead, right? Because you, you made that active choice. Or maybe you go, no screw that. I don't want to do the routine this morning. I'm going to switch things up. And then you have yourself plenty of opportunity to be present in the moment. But yeah, to, to, to answer your question, autopilot to me is when life is just happening to you is the, is the easiest way I can put it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. Um, the example I like to give is when you drive home from work and oh, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you get home and you're like, how did I get here? I don't even remember the drive. Right. Um, so to your point, right, you can ask yourself before the drive, what do I want to do differently? Do I want to take a different route home? Do I want to listen to something else? Do I need like complete silence to just kind of have that be my wind down to turn off from work and like prepare for the next phase of my day or my right. night, right? Um, but I love that you gave the example for the morning because I think that's one of the most important times of the day that you can hmm. choose right? To step into a different state of being for the day. Um, so throughout the day, then how do you make this like checking in a habit? How can you continue to do this for yourself? Yeah. Which I think so you may have answered a little bit, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's worth uh, mentioning because that's kind of part two, right? Like part one is finding your own check-in method. Like 
you probably don't have a wooden bow tie <laughs> and I'm not going to try to sell you one, right? That's right. not the point here. <laughs> and, and, and I love that when you're reading these kind of resources or books, like remember the concept, not the prescriptive elements, right? Because what works for me, probably not going to work for you. Um, so finding your own check-in method is, is very important. It can be, has to be something that's very simple. You can do it anywhere, anytime. So if something physical, um, resonates with you, then find something you can carry around, for example, that means something to you, but maybe it's just as simple as leaving yourself some post-it notes around the house. Um, they could say anything from check-in to wake the hell up to, (laughs) I mean, whatever resonates with you, um, set an alarm on your phone, like a recurring alarm, whatever works. Um, but then, yeah, step two is definitely making that a habit. Um, and that's something we have to give a little bit of time, right? Because if we just check in once, that's great. But if then we go right back on autopilot for another week or two, then we're not really much further ahead. But some, like I said, I keep the bow tie in my back pocket. So that's kind of a little hack, right? To, it reminds me, um, when I sit down, for example, um, a recurring alarm on your phone, it reminds you. So that's one way I like to think about choosing your method that ties a frequency to the method, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that, it, yeah, it's something you don't have to think about. Have external ways for it to pop up into your life. Um, use an accountability partner if you want. Like hook up with a friend and say, hey, you want to join me on this screw autopilot mission? Let's text each other a few times a day as a reminder or whatever it is. But yeah, there's right. you can really get creative with it. There's so many ways. But I, I think most importantly is, is be kind to yourself too, right? Like you're going to forget. We all do. And that's okay. But if your reaction, your first reaction is to beat yourself up and say, damn, like I forgot again, like you're kind of going the two steps backwards. Right. So I think if you do forget, remember to remind yourself that it's okay, (laughs) have some self-compassion and and you can try again. Totally. And that's also reminds me of how like you can't shame yourself into change. People think that if you are shaming yourself, like then that's what's going to get you to finally make those those changes you want. But that's actually a fundamental um, distruth. It's not true. You can't shame yourself into it. So how can you have more compassion for yourself um, and on your mindfulness journey so that you're not, like you just said, beating yourself up when you're you're taking the steps and then you're not perfect. Right. Yeah. Self-compassion is a tricky one. Um, I have to admit, like before I started writing this book and coming up with these concepts, like it was a really foreign concept to me. I understood Mm -hmm. compassion, like being kind to others and empathetic and putting yourself in their shoes, but self-compassion was just something that it wasn't in my life at all. Um, and it was actually when I was working on checking in, I started realizing one of my biggest kind of autopilot habits that was not serving me at all was I spent a lot of time thinking about the past. Um, I didn't recognize it until I started checking in, but honest to God, like I'd say like up to 80% of my random thought rabbit hole time was spent looking into the past and some regret or some what if, or replaying some painful memory or something. And it was clearly not serving me. It sounds like a terrible (laughs) way to spend your time but it was happening. And I realized that I was essentially standing up on a mountain with a megaphone, looking down at all of my past 
selves and all my past memories and regrets and being very unkind to them, very unfair, because it's almost like I was expecting whatever previous self to have all of the knowledge and wisdom that I have right now Mm. and applying it backwards and going like, you idiot, how, why'd you do that? Like, you know, that wouldn't have worked out or whatever it is. So I was really kicking myself when I was already down. Um, And I sat with it for a while and eventually I realized, well, man, I already have a megaphone, (laughs) right? I'm already standing on top of this mountain, looking at all these past events. That's when the word self-compassion, for whatever reason, it popped into my head and I just went with it. And I, I held the megaphone and I said, you know what? I forgive you. Like whatever situation, it was a wholesale forgiveness. It wasn't one by one or judging whether I deserve forgiveness in one instance or another, right? It was a wholesale, you were doing the best you could in that moment. And I swear, I just started like floating. (laughs) It was so much weight gone. Right. Right. And, and it's helped so much. And, and I think that really is what self-compassion means to me the most is forgiving yourself. So whenever, especially if you have that habit of shaming yourself, like you were saying, trying to shame yourself into something, the first step for me has to be forgiving yourself for whatever expectations you would set upon yourself that you didn't meet or whatever mistake you thought you made, you have to forgive yourself and and move forward. Mm. This is a really, really important part of mindfulness that I feel like doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that you are sharing this because it's actually coming up with some of my clients like right now of, Hey, I made this decision And I can't forgive myself for it. Like, I just can't let it go. And they're having a really, really hard time forgiving themselves. Like they know they need to forgive themselves. They know that they're living in the past with that, but they're just still like, you know, it's like the backpack of regret, like holding on to it so much as they move forward and they're trying to like move forward. But how can you climb from mountain carrying that much on your, on your back? Right. you know that the six gold keys to well-being a guide to unlocking a healthy and happy life is out now my book is available for you head on over to amazon and you can get it within a few short days once you place your order for the book you can head over to my website alicialedom.com to access your bonuses so the bonuses are pretty amazing if I have to say so myself. It is a PDF of all of the resources that I share with you throughout the book to help you unlock each key area for your well-being, including um, some guided meditation audios for you. So you don't want to miss this. Head on over, grab your copy of the book, Make sure you share it with a friend. I'm even actually hearing that a few of you are starting to um, start book clubs with the book, which makes me like so humbled and grateful. And I'm actually thrilled to hear that because I think this is a perfect book for a book club. You can read the whole book or meet over the course of six weeks and read one chapter a week. And then you can go through the gold method together, um, kind of like a wellness 
coaching circle with each other, um, using the book as your guide. It's like me being your wellness coach right there with you. (laughs) I love it. So if you guys do that, um, please make sure to let me know how that goes. Now, once you read the book, I would be so grateful if you were to leave a review on Amazon. Um, that would be super awesome of you and helpful. And if you uh, are ready to leave a review of the show, of the podcast, that would be super cool too. We're getting some really cool ones over there. It just helps others to see if this is a really good uh, fit of a show for them to spend their time listening to and diving into. So thank you guys so much for being here. I love y'all and let's dive into the show. So what advice would you give them for how they can forgive and let go if they're having a hard time with it? Yeah, no, that's a good one. And I feel like one of the easiest ways, I don't want to say easy, but maybe the most direct ways is, like I said, compassion towards others seems to be an easier concept to grasp onto. So try that. Try looking at whatever regret you have, whatever you're shaming yourself for, and pretend it's your brother or your sister or your partner or a loved one that's going through that same thing. And they're telling you how much they're holding on to that regret and they're carrying that weight and essentially asking you like, do I deserve to forgive myself? Like your answer without skipping a heartbeat would be yes. (laughs) Like you deserve to let that go. You deserve to show yourself some compassion. And, and that's the thing for whatever reason, when it comes to ourselves, we feel like we're uniquely undeserving yeah. and, and that can be, that can be a problem. Right. So it's a really deep one to sit down and, and tell yourself that you deserve love and happiness and, and freedom and peace and that you're good enough for it. Right. That's something that plagues a lot of us, but if you can spend a little bit of time and if it helps to, like I said, externalize it onto someone else and, and think about what advice you would give them, usually it comes to you immediately. So, so try to try to turn that back inwards. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. It's like kind of removing yourself and speaking to yourself like you would your best friend, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you always have that inner dialogue. And so almost like seeing yourself as separate from who you're speaking to, which is you. Um, So you can almost kind of talk, talk your way through it. If you can conceptualize like, you know, removing yourself from it, uh, like you just said. So I think that could be really helpful for a lot of people who are having a hard time having that self-compassion mm-hmm. that they so freely and easily give to others, right? right. Yeah. Um, okay, this is, this is great. So anything else in the book that is really um, helpful that you want to highlight? Because I know that this is free that people can get right from your from your site so it's kind of a no-brainer go go to a site and go get it (laughs) download it breeze through it um what else what's one other thing that you would uh, share with someone who could benefit from learning about being mindful without meditation in the book yeah so like I alluded to from the top the 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 first reason I wrote the book was the intimidation around mindfulness right and understanding that you don't need a 20 minute a day meditation habit 
You don't even need to meditate at all. Like if you want to, and it serves you amazing, but it's not a prerequisite. But the second part of the book was, like I said, being mindful is great. If you're being in the present, that's adding so much to your life, but, but what's next, right? Like when you get back into autopilot, if that being present only benefited you in the present and didn't kind of trickle down, then that can become frustrating. So I spent a lot of time in the book talking about what you can do with your newfound habit, right, of being mindful. And to me, one of the most important things you can do is, I call it kind of starting to peek underneath the hood, like understand your own programming and, and your own habitual thought patterns and, and all of that, right? So that's something you can start to do once you build in a, a check-in habit. I, I start it by, I call it the floodlight. Like, don't think about say, okay, I want to work on thinking too much about the past or worrying about the future. Whenever you're present, just use a floodlight and think about what you were just thinking about, for mm -hmm. example, because then you might start to notice patterns like I did. I spent so much damn time thinking about the past. Um, but it can be, yeah, it can illuminate a lot to spend some time thinking about kind of what thoughts run through your head. And there's a lot of really powerful questions you can ask yourself once you recognize those thought patterns. Um, but one of the most important ones to me um, is the simple question, is it serving me? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a big question because I talk a lot about in the book about positivity for the sake of positivity and how I don't think that's always helpful. Um, say, for example, that you discover, say you're trying to cook more and you discover that in your head, like you just have this line running that I can't learn how to cook or I'm a terrible cook. And that's clearly holding you back, right? Like if that's what you truly believe, that's, it's not going to be easy to learn how to cook, but it's not necessarily the answer to flip it and go like, I'm an amazing chef. Like I truly believe that because that's not necessarily reflected in your, in your day-to-day -day life, right? So positivity for the sake of positivity isn't always the answer. Maybe try finding something you really do believe that kind of serves as a bridge thought, right? Instead of I can't cook or I can't learn how to cook, go. I clearly have an interest in it because I'm thinking about it. Right. And I know I want to learn. So try thinking like I can learn this if I put the time in. Right. Yeah. Um, so that would be a thought that would serve you a hell of a lot more. So that, that would be my, my advice there is thinking about that line. Does it serve me when it comes to any thought that you recognize that's running through your head, any situation, relationship, whatever it is, is it serving you? Is it empowering you? Is it, is it moving you forward? Mm -hmm. So good. And I love that you touched on like the bridge from the thought that's not serving you into like the ideal thought, I guess, right. or like an affirmation. Cause a lot of people have hard when they're first learning about affirmations, they have a hard time like believing that. And the mm -hmm. idea is like, you're not going to believe it right away because you're not thinking those things. Right. And so I like your concept of, okay, calling it the bridge of what's one a little bit better feel a little bit better of a thought than the current one you're thinking like well i'm interested in cooking which is better than i suck at cooking and i can't do it <laughs> right um and then if you get, just keep thinking that over and over again eventually you can think a little bit better one that you will believe because you're just stepping like stepping stones from the bridge to the ultimate um thought that you want right with right. that affirmation so very helpful so I really encourage all of our listeners as to start to, um, like Matt's talking about, be really conscious of 
checking in. What are your, where are your thoughts? What are you thinking? And then if you're noticing that they're not great, ask yourself, is this serving me? And then what's a better thought that you can think from there to help you release and move forward? And that's a really great way for how you can live throughout your day more mindfully without having to meditate 20 minutes a day. Right. Did I sum it up? Yeah, perfect. I love it. Okay, so good. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people are going to really enjoy that because as much as I love to meditate, um, it can be very intimidating and you're very right. It's not the only way to live a mindful life. Um, I personally don't even meditate every single day, right? But you can, I'm still mindful throughout my day without mm-hmm. taking the active mindfulness practice of, of meditating. So, okay, cool. So I had some more like quick fire questions for you that we can yep. dive into. Okay. Learn Let's more about Matt. Okay. First, why do you believe well-being is important? Yeah, I, I love, I don't know if it was on your website, in your book, I'm sure both, but you talked about the trans transformation from human being to well-being. Mm. And to me, that maps perfectly onto the autopilot concept that I talk so much about that human being to me is autopilot. It it's kind of being swept away through your day. Right. And maybe you find yourself a month later going, how that, how the hell that happened. Maybe you find yourself years later going, what the hell just happened? But well-being to me means being intentional. It, it means being mindful in those small ways to, to ask yourself, to be brave enough to ask yourself some important questions, right? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because it's serving me? Am I doing it because I feel expectations and I'm putting too much weight on opinions from others and, and those kind of things? So it does take a certain amount of bravery for sure and courage, but to me, yeah, it's extremely important because how else are you going to end up with a life that is serving you, that does make you happy, right? If you're not willing to kind of poke around and, and ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Yes, I love it. So good. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, the I'm going to have to go. It wasn't direct advice, but it was a quote that really, really changed things for me. And it said, in the pursuit of knowledge, every day something is gained. In the pursuit of enlightenment, every day something is dropped. And that was like a holy crap (laughs) moment for me, right? Because I realized like, even though I was a self-improvement junkie all of my 20s, I kept trying to build, kept trying to add things on. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I understood that concept of letting things go that it just made so much more sense in so many ways because I didn't have a solid foundation. I was building on shaky ground. Right. So when I started to let all the things go that weren't serving me, that weren't even mine to begin with expectations, opinions, all that, then I could get down to the foundation and, and make sure that was solid. So that, that really transformed the way that I looked at self-improvement. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I can totally relate to that. Because learning information is like, it's addicting. It, it gives you a high. It's like, I just right. want to keep learning, like consume, consume, consume. But it's another thing to, um, 
integrate and implement mm. and live it. And you can't do that if you don't have any space, you don't have any room because you just are so full with information, right? Um, so to your point, that quote, I hadn't heard that before. And I, I think it's really powerful. Of enlightenment is letting go. It's unlearning, it's releasing, it's the forgiving, the self-compassion, mm -hmm. which then gives you the space to uh, integrate and enter into and fill in doing the things that you are learning that you want to want to be absolutely i love that what is the most important mistake you've made in your life and what did you learn from it yeah the i have to say so i went to university straight out of high school because that was the thing that you did right that if your grades were good enough and you had the resources that's just what you did you didn't question it and it was miserable for me. I lasted until second year, but I was just, I'd fallen into a depression and it was just clearly not where I needed to be. Um, so I eventually left and pursued other things, but I realized that even in pursuing what I wanted to pursue, I was still kind of following a script um, and really letting other people's expectations dictate my choices. So I'd say the, the most important mistake I made was going back to university years later, because I was still in that expectation mode. And I thought, okay, if I just try it again, I'll finally get that degree and then people will be off my back and, and all those kind of things. Right. And it was a mistake. Cause I, I was out of a depression for at least a couple of years and I plunged right back in, like, it was so immediately obvious that it was the wrong thing for me. And, but that second time around, was enough to make me realize that I don't need to follow this path that has been chosen for me. Right. So that was a huge lesson to learn. And again, that letting go, that letting go of this is what I need to do. Or, I need a degree to be successful, or I need to live up to my parents' expectations or whoever's. Um, so I'm definitely glad I did it. Um, but it was, yeah, it took a couple times for me to, <laughs> to learn the lesson. For sure. I think that's really relatable though, because a lot of us will go back to what's familiar, even if it's not, um, you know, serving us, like, right. you know, that it's not for you, but it's familiar, which is more comfortable and mm -hmm. unfamiliar is like so uncomfortable that I would rather just go and do what's familiar to me anyway. Right. So I'm curious, how then did you end up doing the work that you're doing now as a life coach and um, as an author from, you know, going to university that wasn't for you? How did, what, mm -hmm. what happened to that gap there? Yeah, so very quickly, the, I actually, when I left university the second time, right before I went back, I had met my wife. Um, I took a job because I'd gone backpacking in Europe for a bit came back with no money clearly <laughs> and I needed a job. So I got one at a local brewery and I met my wife there and her parents actually own the business. So I went to school, back to school, it didn't work out. I came back and I just kept working there. And cause I essentially married into the family business. Right. So, and an important thing happened because I worked there for almost five years and kept kind of rising up through the business and kind of thinking, okay, maybe this is just what I do. It's never what I planned to run a brewery, but um, something I did a lot of digging and I realized that you're familiar with the expression, like the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
I kept thinking, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not depressed, right? Like I can get out of bed in the morning and go to this job and I'm not miserable. I'm not the happiest I think I could be, but it's good enough, right? And I kept telling myself that. And that's because I realized that I had that fear, like if I branch out again and do something I really wanna do, maybe the grass isn't greener on the other side. Maybe I do fall back into a depression or, or end up worse off. So that fear really kept me chained to that job. Um, and like I said, it was, it was perfectly fine. I, I was happy enough, but it kept kind of clawing at me, right? And I actually ended up, I was listening to a random podcast that had a random guest on it. And I'm sure you have one of those experiences where it's like this person speaking directly to you. It's like, how the hell did they tap in to my life? <laughs> and through that book, I learned that concept of letting go, the, the enlightenment quote I just gave you. Mm. And that's when uh, it had really sunk in for me. Sometimes you need to hear things <laughs> a few times, right? Before they really click, the timing needs to be right. The timing was right. So that's when I went, okay, I've been following a script my whole life. We've got to go. My wife and I both decided to essentially go on a, script burning adventure where we just questioned everything in our life and went, why am I doing this for somebody else? Got to go. Like we sold, we had an income property. We didn't like being landlords. We sold that. We both had jobs at the family business. Didn't like that. Quit those, started our own things. Like it was, it was a huge shift, but it was all guided by that. Why are we doing this? And why aren't we doing the thing we want to be doing? Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. And I feel I had, I got a little bit of goosebumps when you said that, like on the podcast that you're speaking right to someone, because I just have a feeling that that's what's happening on this episode as well. Awesome. Um, so you're pa paying it forward from that experience, but yeah, life can, can get really interesting when you start asking yourself better questions of, mm. is this really what I, what I want to be doing? Or am I trying to live up to an expectation that has been set for me? Right. Um, and that's very hard to truthfully answer for yourself because um, it requires you to know yourself. It requires you to maybe hurt someone's feelings, mm -hmm. right? Um, close, close, close people in your life, family, friends, like, and sometimes that, that pain um, can be too much that you would just rather not, but on the other side of kind of going through all of that is where, you know, the magic is like, it sounds like you're in a, a much better place. You're living your purpose. You're doing what it is that you're meant to be doing and being of service to others and paying that forward as a result of following through and asking yourself the tough questions and having a, the same vision um, with your wife. Yeah. I think is really, really powerful. My husband and I, we did very similar things. We were <laughs> living in an area that, we were like, it was, it was away from family, very far away from family. And we were both like kind of getting really settled into our careers. And we asked ourselves like, is this, if we stay here, we're probably not going to leave. Right. It's like the roots are getting really deep right now. Mm -hmm. And is this, is this what we want? Um, and so it wasn't. And then we said, okay, well, we could move back home. Again, the familiar thing, right? Even though that's not what we wanted, so then we kept digging. What do we really want? What would be the most exciting thing? What would like make me feel alive right now? 
And so that's when we did something similar. We sold 80% of our belongings, fit whatever we could into our car and moved to California, um, which was like a whole new adventure. And then, you know, full circle, we came back here, right? Yeah, so (laughs) similar in that what happens when you ask yourself the questions? And Mm -hmm. um, once you start kind of like opening that Pandora's box of questions, it just gets better and better, I feel like, so... Yeah. And you get better at it. You get better at knowing yourself and trusting yourself and it does become a snowball effect. Right. Right. Um, and then it doesn't feel as hard. Like the hardest part is getting started. The hardest part is like starting to push, you know, um, the boulder up, but then it just starts right. going more and more and you are, you become more familiar then that becomes more familiar. Right. Um, and you're away from, from what wasn't serving you anymore. And now then you can start to understand what does serve you and how you can feel more comfortable in the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I love this. Okay. What is one thing you do in the morning or evening before you go to bed that has improved your quality of life? Yeah, that's a great question. I, for me, I've, I've come to understand the power of simplicity. And, and again, that's wrapped up in this whole book, right? Like, keep it simple, find something to check in. That's all you need to do. Um, so for me, I have a two-year-old son and I've always been fairly active, but for whatever reason, when he was born, my gym routine went out the window right just too busy for it and oh I'll find other ways to exercise and I never did and it was almost two full years I went without really intentionally exercising like I just kind of fell off that train and again I revisited the power of simplicity so instead of going okay I need to get back into the gym and I need to find a workout routine I need to find the perfect meal plan and all these things right I was like what's something I can do that'll just get that ball rolling? Like exactly what we just talked about. So I went out and I got like, uh, I spent like maybe a hundred dollars. I got like a pull-up bar that I could put in the doorway at the house. I got some elastic bands I could use and I've just been leaving them out. And every morning after breakfast, I just get as many reps in as I can doing either push-ups or pull-ups or whatever. I, I, I don't set a number. I don't keep track of it anymore. Like I used to. I just get it in and I swear to God, like the, the transformation physically that's happened over the course of two or three months of just doing that simple thing. And instead of filing again, like a crazy meal plan, just think like, is this a a food that I can name the ingredients, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. And cutting out all the crap and keeping it Mm -hmm. simple. So, but to answer your question directly, one thing I do every morning now is just get some reps in um with body weight exercises and it's completely transformed everything amazing i think that's really powerful and important for people to hear that you don't have to have a strict um plan you just need to move in some way and um trust yourself to know when you're done which is what you're doing Mm -hmm. and it's improving your quality of life because you're already seeing results from that without having it to be perfect quote unquote exactly so if you could recommend one book for our listeners, other than, other than yours, obviously, what would that be? So I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to okay. recommend two. Okay. 
<laughs> because the one I want to recommend is extremely powerful, but so, so I'll start with that one. It's um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that changed a lot for me because it's an extremely useful deep dive on habits and why we need them and how to transform them. And I recommend it to anyone, but I put an asterisk there because to me, it really matters what habits you're trying to build. And that's not always clear that those habits that you're trying to build are the ones that are actually going to serve you. Right. So that's why I put the asterisk there. I think you need to read another book, not necessarily this one, but something of the same concept to make sure that the habits you're trying to build or let go of are the ones that make sense for you and then dive into the habits themselves. Um, but the book that did it for me was that podcast guest that uh, I randomly found. Her name is Martha Beck and her latest book is called The Way of Integrity. Mm. And it's a really interesting read because she essentially... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the old poem, Dante's Inferno. Um, it's like a poem from hundreds of years ago. And anyway, she uses that poem as an analogy throughout the whole book. She kind of uses that as a roadmap. And so it's a really easy read, but it really gets you to dive deep on essentially the lies you're telling yourself, which is can be really hard work, but extremely rewarding. So that was a way for me to uncover a lot of the, the negative thoughts and self-limiting thoughts that were going on in my head. And when I got really clear on how to be honest with myself, then I could choose what habits I wanted to create in my life. And then James Clear helped me get that. Does that path make sense? Yes. Yes, definitely. I'm glad that you, that you, I, I get the asterisk and why we needed <laughs> right. the two. Okay. Right. I think that's really important for people um, because like you said, you have to get really clear on what habits you are trying to create. Like what are you uh, intentionally and, and consciously cultivating in your life before you can then take something like atomic habits to design that. Right. right. Um, and what was the second book called? Something about integrity. Yeah. The way of integrity. By the Martha way of integrity. Okay. Is that the one that had the enlightenment quote yeah. in it? Okay. Yeah. I was hoping yeah. you would mention that book. Yeah. And, and like really quickly, just an example is like, say you're trying to increase your showing up for your social life, right? And you want to make a habit of reaching out to your friend, Paul, more often. It's like, okay, you can read James Clear's book on how to kind of make that more of a habit, but reading the other book will help you question like, do you need Paul in your life? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're speaking my language. It's so important. Like, is that, is that really even serving you? Because mm -hmm. sometimes you think, oh, I have to do all of these things. I need to be the, the friend to this person, you know, all these people. And I have to be the best family member to all these people. And I have to say yes to everything all the time. And, and then your well-being is falling at the wayside as a result right. of that. And then you're just not questioning anything. You're just giving to everyone else and you are doing it from an empty cup all the time. It drives me crazy to think that we have to do all the things, right? This yeah. comes back to boundaries and asking yourself better questions like we've been talking about. So, okay. I think that's very helpful for everyone. We're going to have all the, um, the links to what Matt's um, referring to with the books in the show notes, you guys. So before we wrap this up, I have one more question for you, Matt. That I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. How do you unlock your own well-being? Yeah. 
I think for me, at the risk of sounding like a broken record at this point, I feel like mindfulness in this really distilled form, right? The just being present um, in, in little moments in your day. I think that's the key, right? Is if you're on autopilot, there's, there's really no way for you to do this kind of work, to ask the better questions and to show up with the courage to examine things. Like I said, autopilot is very useful. You need it in your life. But if you can create little pockets of time where you can get off of autopilot and do this, these, the little work step-by-step, step, I think that's the key right there is creating those little opportunities to, to just question things, to examine things, to notice them. And, and that creates so much opportunity in your life to figure out where you want to be and how to get there. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for um, coming on the show and for sharing with us all the amazing nuggets that you've left for our listeners today. Can you share with us where they can find you, where they can get the book, um, more about connecting with you after listening? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned at the very top, um, I've been very active on Instagram. Um, that was a, a black hole in my life. I was very off social media my whole life, but I was like, you know what? I need to dive into one of these. So I chose Instagram and I've been really learning how to operate there and how to have fun and engage with people. Um, so you can follow me. Don't think mindfulness is uh, my handle. Um, so I'm very active on there. And yeah, like you mentioned, the book is a completely free resource. So I, I encourage um, people to check out the landing page. It's don'tthinkmindfulness.thinkific.com. The link will be in the show notes. But yeah, there's a little video on there explaining the book. Um, and yeah, sign up to, to download it. And I always encourage people to, to share back into the community, community and what worked for you for a check-in method, what didn't work for you, and, and find some, some ideas that you might not have been able to think for yourself. And if something worked for you, it might be the idea that someone else needed. Mm, definitely can learn from each other and find something that works for you and then kind of leave the rest and then pass it along to maybe help someone else. Absolutely. Cool. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for um, joining us today, Matt. And we will um, definitely all have to check out your book and follow you and all your good nuggets on Instagram. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to join us for upcoming episodes. We have a new one out every single Friday and we'll see you next time. Bye.